Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in to our inaugural episode of the SEC Football Show. This is your host, TJ Pittenger. I'm happy to be with you guys today. As always, the man with all of the information, all the knowledge, Chris Landry, Landry Football. How are you doing today, Chris? TJ, I am doing great. It is great to be with you. And, uh, of course, we have knocked out a couple of ACC football shows. You want to check that out. We're going to cover every conference. But it is great to be on the inaugural SEC football show. And for SEC fans, this is the show for you. Yes, we're going to go team by team, break it down, tell you what's going on around the league, break it down inside the film room. So I can't wait to get going. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. When we uh, when we dropped that we were doing an ACC podcast, my mentions on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, my messages, my texts were blowing up. When's an SEC podcast coming? And so I reached back out to you and said, "Hey, why don't we just do all five of these?" <laughs> so yeah, and and for people who don't know, I'm gonna I'm gonna brag on TJ here and embarrass him a little bit, but I can't tell you as the guy that's heading up all these projects with the with the. Uh, to put t- things together, he did more in one week than I've seen people do in six months in terms of putting it together. It was just so thrilled to be a part of the big three roll-up. I am, and TJ's um, uh, really the maestro behind the scenes on the big three roll-up. But to be able to to bring out with the great fans in that region and that part, and we're going to grow it out to where we, we're going to be your home for everybody and making sure that Look, uh, the college football scene nationally, it's becoming bigger and bigger and more popular. And we want to take each conference and, and give it its own love, give it its own show, and give it its own detail and exercise in minutia to tell you what's going on and inside the film room and what the coaches are saying and what I'm seeing as a scout. All those things we're going to provide to each different fan base and uh, I think it's going to bring the type of detail that you can't always get when you just kind of just touching the surface around the country and just hitting on the two or three teams that everybody talks. So this is the place where you're going to hear about the big boys. You're going to hear about everybody else. So if you're a fan of any team. We got it covered. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Our ACC couple of shows that we've done have been great. That ACC show is posted now. 
So if you are listening to this, you can search ACC football show. It's out. You can go check out what we've done. Finish this episode first, but then you can go listen to the rest of those. Um, and then we've got the Big 12, Pac-12, and Big 10 coming next week uh, or maybe the week after. But it should be lined up for, for all next week. So we'll keep you updated there. Yeah, this has come together really quick. I appreciate the kind words. Um, a little bit about my background. I didn't really go into the ACC as much, but I've just grown up as a, or go into this on the ACC show as much, just grown up a big sports fan, um, really kind of thought about going into radio at, at one point and just with some different life things that were going on that didn't really work out as much, but got hooked up with the guys over at the big three roll up, uh, Silk Kevin Newberg, and just started kind of helping them do some behind the scenes stuff. I, messaged them and, and asked if they wanted the help and they said sure and it's been two and a half years and and we've had a a lot of fun over there started three new three new partnerships or podcasts with a gator only podcast that you can go check out called stadium and gale we started a miami podcast called storm surge and then we joined forces or joined partnerships with uh, the rollcast which is an fsu only podcast hosted by trey roland and We've had a lot of fun with those, and a few weeks after that, Chris and I got linked up thanks to Bill King, and uh, these have come together pretty quickly. But yeah, they've been a lot of fun. There's really an in-depth, it's really a good look at the conference as a whole. We're all very well-versed in what's going on with our schools, me being a Florida State fan, and the teams that we follow. But here's a great chance if you're a Gator fan or you're a Kentucky fan or you're a Bama fan to really get an overview in a quick hour a week. Uh, we're going to try and limit these to an hour, hour and 15 minutes. This one might be a little longer being the first show, but a good overview of what's going on in the conference in general. And then go listen to all of them. Go check out what's going on in the ACC for a good overview. Go check out what's going on in the Pac-12. So this will kind of be like Chris talked about, your one-stop shop to really hear an in-depth overview of what's going on in each conference. So if you're an SEC fan, again, this is the place for you. This is where we're going to break down not only Alabama, but Texas A&M and Auburn and Arkansas and every school here in the conference. And so I think you'll really enjoy what we're putting together. And, and quickly, we want your interaction. Send us a question, uh, things that you want us to talk about. We'll do that. Hey, look, this is, this is we're doing this for you. So provide us with something you want us to talk about or a question and that'll uh, in large part dictate kind of where we go we're going to cover everybody but you know uh hey if we're not talking enough about your team hey send us a question uh you could you could send it via twitter if you don't do the twitter stuff social media stuff you can go to landryfootball.com uh, which is where you can find my work and and send me an email and say hey address this on the sec show or whatever We'll do that for you. I know uh, TJ's got the Twitter handles and everything to, to send a question. Yeah, it's SEC Football Show on Twitter. Uh, you can email me, TJ at Big3RollUp.com. Just whatever is best for you, your way to get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. We want this to be as interactive as possible. And so if you have questions or comments or complaints or anything um, that you want from us, you want to hear from us, You know, just reach out and let us know. And then one, you know, one more thing. We'll we'll stop plugging things here in a minute. But one more thing before we get into the SEC, uh, go check out LandryFootball.com. I was on there the other day. I've said this a couple of times now on the on the ACC show, but I've been on it. And now that we've kind of been working together, and I can look at some of the stuff on there. Go check that out. That is a 
absolute deep dive into everything that you're looking for from a football perspective. Uh, not just these college football conferences that we're looking at, but very team-specific stuff. Chris dives into the NFL. Um, go check out LandryFootball.com. If you want to get more in-depth than we're even getting in these, in these podcasts, go check it out. Go look at it. We appreciate the partnership with LandryFootball.com. And really just a lot of good stuff. When you're passing time on your lunch break or while you're not doing work at your desk, pull it up, read a couple articles, check it out. It's it's great stuff. You will not be disappointed going and checking it out. So Chris and the guys do a, do a great job over there. But, uh, yeah, we're going to run down a couple of things. We're going to stick to uh, the notes here, stick to the show notes as best as we can. But hopefully by next week we'll have some listener input and we can kind of get to what you guys want to cover as well. But, Chris, what's going on in the SEC? What's the latest news going on? Well, the new news is somewhat of the old news. Uh, Kelvin Joseph, LSU sophomore cornerback, is, <laughs> again, has announced that he's entered the transfer portal. I can't keep track. I think it's three times he's entered the portal. The first time he entered the portal, his dad, I mean, how about this? I mean, he says he's in the portal. His dad is quoted uh, in social media saying, no, he's not. And the kid said, yes, I am. And no, you're not. I mean, it is really interesting. Of course, he was out of the portal. Now he's saying it's, again, I just think there's a lot of things going on. I don't expect the four-star recruit to stay. I think he's going to transfer to another Power five school likely. Listen, LSU's got a lot of good corners. Uh, they could certainly use him. There's no question about it. I think it helps them in their sub package. He's a really good player, but there's something there that's just not jiving, as we like to say. So uh, he's entered the transfer portal. Uh, some other news. Um, the, the, before you go, the more yes. things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, right? I know. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, I mean, you know, people say <laughs> don't, all the don't, cliches. The, the, the one question, don't ask whether he's coming or going, because I don't know, <laughs> because by the time I answer the question, it will have changed a few times. I don't know. It's a little bit of a soap opera there. Um, some news at Florida I want to get to. LaMichael uh, Perrine um, is uh, he lost some weight and pretty impressive looking. They tell me the coaches and. Um, you know, he's got good speed and want to see, he's, uh, you know, now that, 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 about shedding a few pounds, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's going to help him in his stamina. I think it's going to help him to the next level. Um, I think if he can play it like two fifteen, two eighteen, um, I think the guy's got a chance. I think he's one of the more underrated running backs. Oh, in he's the talented. Yeah. I think he's really, you know, and you think about the sec packs, my goodness sakes. I mean, Deandre Swift and Najee Harris. Folks, do you know who Keyshawn Vaughn of Vanderbilt is? Larry Roundtree, those are elite backs nationally. How about Kylan Hill of Mississippi State? Scotty Phillips of Ole Miss? Um, you know, Joshua Corbin of AM, uh, Raheem Boyd of, of, of Arkansas. I mean, Michael Perrine is, is, is in that group of one of the best in the country, not just in the league. It's very deep at running back, but let's watch for him, reduce a little weight, uh, could help his stamina. Uh, some bad news. Hate to see the news that the freshman linebacker David Reese for the Gators is going to miss the 2019 season. Uh, had the ruptured Achilles. Um, you know, I thought he, um, you know, the two games he played last year, I, I thought he did a really nice job. And, you know, I thought he was going to be 
probably the fourth guy, if not the third guy in the rotational buck in position for them. So hurt their depth a little bit, but I feel bad for the young man. I think he was going to have an impact for them this year, as I mentioned, in the rotational win. Over at South Carolina, Sedarius Hutchinson, uh, the redshirt sophomore offensive lineman, up to 320 pounds, um, 6'4". I think he's going to help lead this offensive line unit that has a chance to be a pretty good run-blocking unit. Uh, on the downside, the redshirt freshman Maxwell Iyama has been medically disqualified to play uh, this year due to uh, an injury they've had. So the uh, the starters at the guard spots are, are, are Stanley and uh, Gwen and uh, Douglas uh, and, and, of course, Hutchinson again. This is going to have to be some adjustments. to worry about their depth, but I think they've got a pretty solid offensive line. And in the backup quarterback role at Missouri, we know Kelly Bryant is taken over as the transfer there. Uh, Sean Robinson is yet to receive a ruling from the NCAA on his immediate eligibility. Of course, Missouri is waiting from the NCAA on a few things, on the ruling of their bowl uh, ineligibility. Uh, in this case, Robinson transferred from TCU last December, and um, we would have thought we've gotten a word from the NCAA by, in, although, uh, by now, but uh, who knows what uh, what happens there? He might, if he's denied, he's going to have to sit out the 2019 season, have two years left to play. But uh, I think that you remember, you better have uh, two guys and, and a third guy that you can line up and play with. Um, but having not having Sean Robinson, having him, we, we should know now. We should know by now already, but we should know in the next couple of weeks here at Missouri. That's the latest in terms of the news around the SEC. Yeah, and it seems like those uh, transfer requests, I, I don't know what the factors that go into them are. Uh, it seems like they're either granted or not granted with absolutely no consistency whatsoever. <laughs> so you're you're be, right. It'll be interesting. And I know the NCAA is not going to do this, but it would be nice to know some of what goes into the factors there because you, you see some guys leaving – because of competition reasons. And then you see some people leaving due to medical things and they're not granted. Um, and I'm sorry, the competition ones are so uh, they're interesting. So we'll, yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on that as this transfer portal continues to evolve. And this, you know, eligibility becomes more and, you know, these questions of the transfers become more and more and more common. Wonder if we start to see some more congruence or some more, you know, just consistency with, with why things are being ruled the way they are. Yeah. So, that's, that's, that's all what, we want to know is what, tell us what the rules are and we kind of know, but you're right. It's been very inconsistent. So, well, nobody recruits quite like the sec. Tell us about what's going on in the recruiting world here. Yeah. Well, listen, we will keep you up to date on recruiting, uh, on all our podcasts. And it's going to be a big factor when there's news, we're going to talk about it. Missouri received a verbal from a three-star guard, Jalen St. John, down to Illinois and Missouri, 6'5", 300 pounds. Really like this kid. I think he's a little bit underrated. Um, I think he's a good run blocker. I think he's got – I think his feet are, are natural, and I think he can become a pretty good pass blocker. But I know Auburn got in on him. Nebraska got in on him. Tennessee got in on him. Uh, really good get for Mizzou. In fact, that they got on – get on him uh, – got in on him pretty early was the key here. A&M has been killing it on recruiting. Hey, they've got a four-star – 
2021 commitment. Eli Stowers, a quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the 2021 class. Really good dual threat guy. Uh, beat Clemson, Florida State, Georgia, LSU. A little bit early for 2021, but when there's news, we're going to have it. And um, great start to the 2020 class. Um, good shape, but 2020 uh, off to a good start as well. And then I really want to talk a little bit about Florida's four-star 2020 commitment. Antoine Powell-Ryland, love the power defensive end mode this kid can be. Um, you know, he's a guy that, uh, to me, is built like a linebacker, but I think can be a really good defensive end. I think very underrated. I think he plays with good underrated power because I think he plays with good leverage. Good get for the Gators there. Also like their quote-unquote three-star guard commitment, Richard Leonard. I think he can play right tackle. I think he can play guard. Uh, he's 6'2", 320, good run blocker, comes off with a flat back. I uh, think really good player. Um, you know, uh, Tennessee, Florida State, uh, a number of schools that were really interested in on him as well. Also, the Gators got a uh, commitment from a really good athlete in Finley Graham. I think it's going to be a corner for them. I think he's been a little bit underrated because I think people kind of don't know what to do with him. But I think he's got the hips and the foot quickness to be a really good corner. Um, not real big, but, boy, he's versatile. I think he can line up as a slot corner. And, boy, he's got good make-you-miss skills as a returner. In Mississippi, uh, in Mississippi State, four-star athlete Dylan Johnson. Love his versatility, six foot 180. I think can be a really good athlete, can play multiple positions. He could be a receiver, could play running back. I like him as a safety and even as a will backer and nickel. Love this guy's vers love versatile players that can grow and have a lot of room there. And also for Ole Miss, uh, can't leave them out. They had a good uh, week. Uh, they got a 2020 commitment from quarterback Robbie Ashford. Really good upside. Um, you know, got a lot of development to do, but he's six four two ten, dual threat guy out of Hoover, Alabama. Played a lot of baseball. Is impact uh, impacted his development at uh, as a football player. I think this has hurt him in terms of his productivity to this point. This guy's got a lot of ability. I think I would like to see him selfishly commit more time to football. And if he does, I think the reps have a really good one. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned Texas A&M before we go to the next uh, the next segment or whatever. Jimbo's doing a good job there, right? So much to the chagrin of Florida State fans, I would assume, but. What do, you, what do you think about how Jimbo's doing? What's the outlook there in recruiting and, and on the field? It's killing it. He's killing it. I mean, it is just – it is approaching, approaching Alabama and Georgia level in the conference and right there with LSU. It is uh, – he's killing it, obviously, in the state of Texas and around, um, you know, Zach Evans, for example, who's – Zach Evans is considered maybe the best player in the country, the best running back in the country. Everybody wants him. Alabama's got his teammate. It was Alabama, 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 absolutely going to Alabama. Now it looks like A&M is making a lot of inroads. I don't know whether he's going to go to Alabama or A&M, but the fact that A&M is in the mix is an indicator of the type of uh, the type of job that they're doing. Uh, I, I think that that what he the job he did changing the culture at A&M on the field was impressive last year. And the recruiting is just at an elite level. So, yeah, we've talked about it. Um, there's no question that 
due to the problems at FSU, and uh, we won't get into that. We went into it on the ACC show last week. Check that out. But, you know, uh, he may have let go of the rope a little bit in recruiting, but he's grabbed on the whole of it, and he is uh, absolutely killing it in recruiting at, uh, at A&M. Yeah. So we've got a longtime supporter of the Big Three Roll Up. Her name is Karen. I don't know if you're familiar with her or not from Bill's shows, but she'll she'll enjoy your uh, Texas A&M breakdown there. So I slid that in for her. So now, uh, we hope Karen joins us every week on both shows. We love having she, her. She better listen to all five since she just got a shout out on the first episode. So there you go. There you um, go. So get into the film room. What have you been seeing in the film room recently? Breaking down different players and such in the conference. You know, um, I had a, I've had a lot of questions, as you can imagine, TJ, about you know the quarterbacks. You always get that. And uh, Jake Fromm, how good is he? And you know, and I, what I've noticed is people either over exaggerate or under appreciate what a quarterback is. And I think Jake Fromm has been a really good quarterback over the first two years with Georgia. And I think he's got a really good future at the next level. Uh, but, but he's a different type of guy and people always look at it uh, by comparison. Uh, you know, let's just say to because they'll be compared because they play against one another in the league. Tua's got more playmaking ability, but I can tell you, Jake Fromm is as polished a quarterback from the neck up, seeing the field, getting out of a bad play into a good play, making good decisions, protecting the football. I think he's uh, as good as any quarterback in the country. He doesn't have the best arm. He doesn't have the best athletic ability, but he can read the receiver. He can get it to the open um, receiver, and I think his intangibles are not only going to put him at the elite of college football at the quarterback position, but I think it's going to get him a uh, a really good shot uh, in the NFL draft next year. So he jumps out at me. Uh, one of the things that's going to help him is that running game, and that running game is going to be led by maybe the best offensive line in all of college football. I think it is the best. I think there are other good offensive lines that are really, really good. But I think George's offensive line is the best and the deepest. And it's led by Andrew Thomas, who's one of the best tackles um, maybe in the country. I think he's a top 10 pick in next year's draft. I think his technique needs some improvement. I think it's one of Coach Witt, uh, one of the best coached offensive lines in the country. I think he is elite. And, and I think if you get a chance, if you want to peel your eyes off the ball, folks, watch this Georgia offensive line. Watch Andrew Thomas in particular. It's going to lead you to their success in the running game. A lot of question marks about Georgia's um, receivers. And obviously the depth issues, the quality, It's they've got some young players, but not a lot of proven players. But I want to talk a little bit about the redshirt junior, Demetrius Robinson. He could be one of the biggest wild cards, not only for Georgia, but in the entire uh, league. He's a former five-star recruit. Um, uh, he'd been a disappointment and certainly has an opportunities to come in. And um, he's the Cal transfer. He's got a lot of ability. He can run. And again, in terms of an offense, it's built around the running game, play action. This guy has a chance to be special. It's going to be incumbent upon them to really improve his route running, to really improve his awareness of coverage, because this guy is no reason why this guy can't be an elite receiver in this conference. And it's just the intangibles that have held him back to this point. I uh, want to go over A&M, over to A&M a little bit, talk a little bit about them and Jimbo's team, and talk a little bit about the quarterback and the receiver that's jumped out at me. I think uh, Courtney Davis, the redshirt senior, had a really good year last year. 
Uh, I think he's he's really emerged. I think he's a candidate to have a big year. Uh, and so I want you to pay attention to him out there. Also, I'm curious to see what Kellen Mond progresses. People have asked me, who's the third best quarterback in the SEC? With the understanding that Tua and Jake are the two best. Clearly, there's a drop-off. It very, very well may be Kellen Mond. Not just with him, but when you combine him with Jimbo and his ability to coach quarterbacks, um, I think he is, I thought he improved immensely from like week one, week two, week three last year to the end of the year. He's a capable passer, uh, not real accurate, but getting better and is a really strong runner. So how Jimbo uses him is going to be interesting to see if this kind of turns this offense into the next level. Going to go to Florida and talk a little bit about their junior receiver, Kadarius Tony. Talk about great receiving cores. You can talk about Alabama. You can talk about Clemson. You better talk about the Gators because that's yeah. a really good receiving core. And I think Tony is elusive, great after the catch, got plenty of athleticism. Using in the, the tunnel screens and get the ball in the hands of him. He's a difference-making player. They need the difference-making type of playmaking ability is. You know, one of the things that they have been able to do, Dan Mullen has – uh, particularly with Felipe Franks, is they give them some quick reads, some easy threes, uh, easy reads, and give them the 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 the, uh, the playmakers ball in their hands and let them go and eat. And boy, they've done a really good job. Kadarius Tony is special. We've talked about Perrine, Tony. They've got playmakers at Florida, so uh, look out for him. I want to go to South Carolina again and look at their outstanding receiver, Brian Edwards. I think he has a chance to be one of the better receivers in the league. Uh, and if, you know, if he and this passing game is going to have success, Jake Bentley's going to have to settle down and find him a little bit more. Edwards is NFL-ready size. Um, he's a deep threat ability, and they've got to be able to find answers in the running game. That's been South Carolina's problems. It's been one of the real mysteries to me. Why Will, in his background and defense and running, why they've not been able to, as well as they recruited, establish a running game. That's been Jake Bentley's biggest problem. They forced him into too many passing situations, too many come from behind situations, and that's why he's been inconsistent. They can run the football. Brian Edwards can get deep vertically for this group. So we'll see. That's kind of a look around of some uh, some looks inside the film room of just been uh, on my radar. Yeah, for sure. Well, have you uh, have you been scouting anybody? Is there anybody you want to talk to? outside of the film room, but any kind of players you want to look at from a scouts perspective? Yeah, I want to get into Alabama a little bit. And Henry Ruggs, I think, uh, you know, just talking with their coaches, we know how talented he is, and we know what Judy is. We know what two is. We know it's maybe the best receiving core in the country. Uh, Henry Ruggs is, to me, the most intriguing guy of the receiving core. He's the most competitive kid, they tell me, in the whole program. In terms of every player, this guy is the most competitive. I think it was against Ole Miss last year that they had the quick slant, and it was a fumble. And the guy that was just jumped out of a cannon and recovered the fumble for a touchdown for Bama was Henry Ruggs. That's Henry Ruggs. That play just crystallizes what this kid is all about. He's one of the most explosive athletes in the country. He averaged over 16 yards a catch. And what I like about him is not just his competitiveness, but his versatility. He can play outside and he can play in the slot. 
And when they can go, some cases, three and four wide sets, depending on how they want to use the tight ends this year, this guy is special. So I, I think he deserves a shout-out. There's a couple of freshmen on the offensive line at Alabama that I think can have an impact. Oh, Alabama's great on defense. Oh, they lose guys. But D.J. Dale has been talked about at nose guard. Great spring, early enrollee. But remember another name, Antonio Alfonso. Um, Alfano is a five-star guy that I think is going to have an impact. He's a big leaper, 36-inch vertical, can really run. It's about learning the defense. It's about learning technique. So don't expect him day one. I think Dale's going to probably play day one. But I think this kid's going to be in the rotation. And I think we're going to – you're going to hear his name. He's going to be an All-American by the time he's a sophomore. And then by the time he's a junior, he's going to be big time and then head to the NFL. He's that good. Also wanted to talk a little bit about Trevon Diggs, the corner. Of course, for people who don't know, he's the brother of Stephon Diggs, who's with the Minnesota Vikings. This is a really good kid. He, he came like his brother did to college as a receiver. But, boys, he made the transition on the defensive side very well. He's had some injuries. He's mixed six games because of a broken foot. But this guy has shown toughness, aggressiveness, and the foot quickness to be able to stay on top of routes and play good in man coverage, which they like to play a lot of at Alabama. Really impressed with him. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Tua, and I want this to be understood correctly. I think he is an elite quarterback, elite talent. He's got innate ability to throw it accurately, playmaking ability like crazy. But I want to talk. I don't want to criticize him. I want to critique him, and I want to take you inside the film room and show you from a scouting standpoint what we're looking at, where I think he needs to improve. It is not he's not good. It's not that he's not good at this, but I don't care where you are. As a coach, we're trained, how do you get better? That's all that matters. He has all those things that I mentioned. But the one thing I saw last year that were a little bit of a signs of potential trouble, although I did not see the beat down against Clemson, he takes too many risks with the ball. He holds on the ball too long. He locks onto his first read and, and he looks for the big play instead of the safe one. I think he's they've worked with him very hard and he's worked very hard this offseason, spent extra time in the film room. Take the check down. I talked about all those receivers, TJ, about all the backs. I haven't even got into those guys yet. Take the smart play. It didn't cause them any consternation in any of the games that they played last year until it got into a little bit iffy in the second half against Oklahoma. And we know they didn't have the option against a great Clemson defense. Well, it is national championship for bus at Bama. So, I think the challenge, and I'm, what I'm saying is being echoed by Nick Saban. I've talked with him about it. He and I are good friends, and I, I, I trust what they're going to do. They've got to get him to be a little bit smarter with the football. It's not about the big play. You can get away with it against Duke. You can get away with it against a lot of the teams in the league. But you've got to be smart. You practice what you preach. You preach what you practice. You practice how you play. Practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. So I think what they're going to want him to do, even in games, and, and I'm saying this, fans, for those of you that want them to score 55 points, you got all excited about the, the just the ding, 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 scoring all those points last year. 
You know what it did? It, create, it created a false sense of security that they just out-athleted everybody. But when you break down the tape, there were a lot of big plays by Tua, but there were a lot of risks. Don't worry about trying to score 50 or 60. Just play ball control. Be smart. Because the best way to, for Alabama to win a championship is for Tua to make big plays when they need him to. But to run the football, protect the defense, and maybe win the games, maybe scoring 35 points, 38 points. Nothing wrong with winning 38-17 as opposed to having to win 52-10. to It may not look as good. Oh, it may cause people who like to put a couple of bucks on games and the point spread. It may tick them off a little bit. But I think for them to take his game to the next level, there are two things that concern me about two at the next level. His durability and his ability to go through his reach. I can tell you this, for example, against LSU. LSU took away the first read against Tua, and they struggled a little bit. And it, and it took Tua on an injured leg to make a big play running the football against LSU. And they blew out LSU. LSU couldn't score. There were some signs there that they weren't quite getting it done to the highest level by their standards, but it was camouflaged by big wins. I think this year they're going to focus on not running to it as much and keeping him healthy and also getting him focused on the check down, making the smart play and not just gambling. Let's watch that this year. I want to mention Auburn's freshman Owen Papoa. Folks, this guy is going to turn your heads and he's going to turn your heads immediately. He's got elite athletic traits. This is a great defensive line, maybe the best in the league in terms of returning starters. This guy is going to have an immediate impact this year. And I also want to talk a little bit about Kylan Hill, Mississippi state. I mentioned him briefly among the backs. I think he's one of the more complete all around backs. Um, you know, he's, he's five ten, two twelve, very productive. He's strong. He's got quickness. And I think, you know, he's a power back that can make you miss. And he's got ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. So those some, you know, in the film room scouting nuggets that I have for you this week. Yeah, very good. Well, like we're going to do with and a lot of that talent focused in the study of Alabama. I know that we're going to get to other other uh other schools and other spotlights and things like that. But kind of like we talked about on the ACC show last week, uh, they're still king of the conference, right? They're, they're still the ones to, to be dethroned. It's still Alabama and then Georgia, A&M, Florida, LSU, everybody chasing, chasing the tide. And, and it, it'll be interesting to kind of see how the season shakes out and how they're able to do. They've got a, a somewhat favorable schedule compared to years in the past. So Definitely going to be interesting to see how Alabama rebounds from the loss uh, against Clemson. They've not had one of those like quite like that since Saban's been there. And so definitely will be interesting to see there. But definitely sensing a, a theme in that scout spotlight of uh, of a lot of Alabama and a little bit of Auburn there to start us off with, which is probably a good place to start. Yeah, and a lot of it is just kind of what I've looked at film-wise most recently and want to get into it. But, you know, we have, as you mentioned, like at LandryFootball.com goes in much deeper. We cover every team like that with all those details. And we're going to get to all of them on each of these shows. It's just obviously first one, a lot of that. 
but we're going to be breaking down everybody. I think uh, Vanderbilt, for example, which one of the teams we're going to be talking about, has got three trifecta players that can play with anybody in the league, and everybody has good players, and we're going to get to them, and we're going to talk about them and talk about each of these teams and uh, on a week-in, week-out basis. Yeah, for sure. So uh, let's get into some of these teams. We're going to, kind of like we did on the ACC show, we're going to start from the bottom and work our way up. But uh, let's break down some teams. Let's see kind of what, what's going on, a more in-depth look. Um, we'll start with Vanderbilt. What's what's your uh, breakdown? What's your overview of, of Vandy, of the Commodores? You know, I, I think the thing that comes this year is what's the offense going to look like? I mean, I think that uh, Riley Neal's taken over at quarterback. You know, you, you lose in, in Shermer, a, a veteran leader. Um, I think they've got, uh, as I mentioned, one of the best uh, you know players in the league, period, not just the best running back. Keyshawn Vaughn is phenomenal. They may have the best tight end in the league in Jared Pinckney. Albert O of Missouri, we'll get to him at another point, uh, would maybe uh, be the other guy that you'd have to consider. Uh, and obviously Vanderbilt um, has a really good receiver in Kalijah Liscombe. I mean, those guys are, are, could be like first team all SEC good. That's how good they are. So what is their offense going to be like? Well, I think it depends upon that quarterback situation. They're going to have to work, obviously, the running game, and they're going to have to get the ball to Liscom in the passing game, but also work the seam well with um, with Pickney. So it's going to really come down to what they can do um, to work around uh, the, the quarterback situation, and, it, and it's going to see what Riley Neal, the Ball State transfer kid, can do. Um, you know, again, I love Pickney. I think they've lost some of their offensive line. They've not a lot of experience there. And uh, listen, they replaced Shermer and Andy Ludwig. That that are two big changes for an offense. Now, uh, the defense could be even better this year without most of the guys coming back. I got to tell you, they are one of the more underappreciated coaching staffs in terms of defense. They're really good. Now, Derek Mason stays involved in coaching this defense. They're going to be really young up front. But, uh, boy, they're, they're really, really tough. Uh, Jason Tarver does a really good job, uh, and they've got a good group of defensive coaches. Um, they, they, they do a really good job. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. This, is, this has never happened. you got to go back years and years. Um, they've been to a bowl game twice in the past three seasons. That's uh, the 17 wins over that stretch of the third most in a three-year period since the 70s. They won three straight against Tennessee. That hadn't happened since the 1920s. Okay, we're, we're, uh, we're talking a hundred-year, you know, statement that they're making. They're beating Tennessee. They're going to bowl games. Uh, but listen, Tennessee's getting better. More on that later. Kentucky, South Carolina, everyone's recruiting better than them in the division Vanderbilt's kind of stay status quo. They've got the worst facilities in the conference. Um, they make their coaches do more with less, and they coach them up on defense and they run the football. At a certain point, they've got to get more players in the system to get it done. But listen, they, they've got some things working for them. Um, I think anytime you can put a guy like Vaughn and Pinckney uh, and Linscombe out there, those are really good strength. Get some mobility at quarterback. I think you'll get some more rollouts with Riley Neal. Uh, ball security is going to be key. There were plus eight in turnovers last year, and that allowed them to a blow out a couple of teams that you didn't think that they would be able to blow out, and it allowed them to get a couple of extra wins. Vanderbilt has to 
get close to double digits on the plus side of turnover margin. On def- on um on the downside, the replacing three offensive linemen, not real impressed in look in the spring practice tape I saw on the offensive line. So they got a lot of work to do there. Now the defense did not stop the run last year. That's going to be an issue. They got to play the run with numbers. They don't have the big war daddies on the defensive side and the defensive front. Um, I think they're probably going to give up more points on defense this year, despite the fact that I think they're well coached. They're going to give up some points. I think if you can run the football on them, you can control the games. Uh, they're going to need to win the turnover margin. That's what they've been able to do, and we can see if they can do that. The, I think they're going to be an underdog, TJ, in the first three games. They, they go to at Purdue, and then they had, um, you know, Purdue and LSU. I mean, I don't see how they start out the season uh, with one win. I mean, the, the Purdue game is the one possibility. I think they go to Northern Illinois – or excuse me, they they play Northern Illinois week four uh, at home. Uh, that's their best chance. I, I think we're going to get to a slow start at Ole Miss on October 5th, UNLV. That's the stretch end of September and in October where they got to make some hay a little bit. But this is going to be East Tennessee State. Listen, at Vanderbilt, you got to schedule well. Uh, they're never going to recruit an elite level. It's a developmental program. You got to find a way to to schedule three wins probably shouldn't be playing a Purdue on the road. Uh, they've got to schedule three wins out of co- three or four wins out of conference and find a way to steal two wins in conference. Um, they've been able to do it, but getting bowl eligible again this year is going to be tough. At some point, you think Tennessee's got a man up and say enough of that. You know, um, you know, I'm going to tell you the 20, I mean, general Nealon wasn't coaching at Tennessee the last time they <laughs> lost three games to Vanderbilt. I mean, so I, I think that that starts to change around a little bit. So I think it's going to be difficult for them to repeat what they've been doing. So they're going to have to find a way to steal one. Um, I, it's a four game stretch against Mississippi state uh, against Missouri, South Carolina, Florida, and Kentucky, the middle two on the road may be a problem. Look, it's, it's, they've won their last three against Tennessee. South Carolina has won the past 10 in, in, in this series, and uh, they manhandled them. So it's been about matchups for them, and the matchups have gone their way. I don't think that's going to continue going forward, as I do think Tennessee's getting a little bit better, as I mentioned. So we'll see what Vanderbilt can do. But when three big-time playmakers and Lipscomb and Vaughn and Pickney, all three next-level players, Odebayo at uh, a defensive end can play. Cole Clemens, their guard's a good player. So they've got some good players. They don't have as many of them. We'll see how that's going to match up in the uh, the SEC this year. Yeah, we like to really joke, um, but it truly is. If you're a if you're a bottom tier team in the SEC, it, it may not be as much for Alabama, but it really is for the folks at the at the bottom of the tier. Every week really is that battle. Because like you said, if they start out 0-3 and then beat Northern Illinois, let's give them the Mississippi win on the road, which is probably a stretch to just give an automatic win. Um, and then the UNLV win, they're 3-0 and with six wins to, or six games to go. I'm sorry, they're 3-3 three and three with six games to go. And you've got to find three wins out of Missouri, South Carolina, Florida, Kentucky, and Tennessee. We'll give them at least Tennessee State. And so even if you were going to say Tennessee's luck doesn't turn around, I I don't know that they steal one of the other ones, certainly not two. 
So um, they played Florida about as well as you could for a half last year. Still ended up losing by double digits. But they've got to go to the Swamp. They've got to go to Vandy, to South Carolina. I think it's going to be a tough road. But if they can maybe steal a win, I don't see them stealing a win against Georgia or LSU. Maybe steal a win against Purdue. Maybe upset a, a Vandy or a, I'm sorry, a Missouri or a South Carolina. Maybe you can get bowl eligible, but I think you're looking at five wins as as kind of a ceiling. Six if they can, you know, knock off a Tennessee again, like they have for the last couple of years. So we'll see. We'll see how much Tennessee has to play for uh, that late in the year. I guess that could have something to do with it. So yeah, absolutely, no question about it. getting the bowl eligibility is getting it done at Vanderbilt. Let me just say that. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, they've got talent. So, you know, in their bowl games, they've they've been fun when they get there. I, I think they do a good job for, for what they are. But, you know, yeah. they're, they're never going to rise up out of that bottom of the conference with any kind of consistency. Um, moving on, what, what about Arkansas? Arkansas is another program that we're going to look at today. What do you think, think about the Razorbacks? Boy, they got a lot of work to do. Um, Chad Morris has got a lot of work to do. I mean, they, they the offensive line is still a problem. Now, this is another changeover for those of you that listen to our ACC podcast, and we hope you you do. We've talked about uh, Louisville and like Georgia Tech and the changeovers of style. And while the changeover from Bielema's offense and offensive line uh, to what Chad Morris likes to run is not quite as dramatic as, would say, Georgia Tech has to do with the option to pro spread the look. Uh, it is a big adjustment from that downhill power guy to now looking for more of the zone blocking quicker guys. I mean, going from downhill to spread, that is tough. And Chad's got a lot of work to do there. Um, the system is possible, I think, where you can get a lot of young guys to come in and contribute it right, right away at receiver and running back. Um, so they're going to have to play some young guys. Quarterback race is going to be interesting, probably going to come down to experience in his system. That's why um, – you know, Hicks has got, uh, I think, an advantage there. Uh, defensively, listen, John Chavis has had success when he's been at places where he's had really good talent to run his defense. At Tennessee, when they had really a lot of talent, and at LSU, when he can play press man and play the run with the numbers, be aggressive, he's been very successful. Listen, talent makes a coordinator, no doubt. Some coordinators can can mix what they do with the talent they have. That's not Chavis. He's aggressive. And he can beat you with a lot of talent, but when the stint early, the short stint at A&M wasn't very successful. Didn't have the talent that he had at LSU. Well, at Arkansas, it's even worse. There's just not a whole lot of talent there. Uh, linebackers are very average. The front doesn't have any depth at all. I mean, this is this is gonna. They do not match up physically, defensively against offensive lines in this league. Um, they just got to keep getting it done in recruiting, and they're doing a good job. Chad's a good recruiter. The problem is when you have a top 20, top 25 recruiting class in the SEC West, and that puts you behind Alabama, behind LSU, behind A&M, behind Auburn, you can't be any better than fifth in the West in recruiting, even though you're top 20 in recruiting. That tells you what hill he's got to climb there. It is going to be tough. But here's where I think Arkansas could be. I'm going to sum it up first and then talk some details. I think if Chad has enough time and he recruits well enough with his ties in Texas, the high level mark, what's the ceiling for Arkansas? If he recruits as well, he could be what Hugh Freeze had Ole Miss at Ole Miss. An explosive offense, 
get some big receivers, outscore you, recruit some big war daddies on defense, you know, maybe pull an upset here or there. But winning big time at Arkansas is not going to, you're not going to get it done in the West because the resources, and you got Walmart money, you got the Tyson chicken money, got all that. But until you're recruiting top five nationally recruiting, you're not going to recruit and, and have the success against the LSUs and the Alabamas and the Auburns and the A&Ms, which A&M is recruiting in the top five. So they are getting it done. So Arkansas is getting it done relative to what Arkansas has been. But competing in the top five, people remember not long ago, Arkansas was in the top five in the BCS standings. And we still have the BCS. I get it. Remember Alabama, LSU. Uh, I was actually LSU, Alabama, Alabama, one, two, three. I can remember going into Thanksgiving Day in one of the last BCS rankings. That's not the same. The talent level is not the same, and it's going to take a while. So I think that um, Chad's offenses can be hurry up. They can be uh, aggressive. They can attack you, give you a different look. They could pace you. That's what they're going to have to do. But if you, if they don't fix that offensive line and they can't sustain you know what that's going to do? That's going to put a weak defense on the field for far more snaps than they're ever going to be able to compete. They're going to have to score a lot of points, and they're going to have to help their defense as much as possible. And I just don't know that it's going to be successful enough for a while. Uh, I think the defensive line could become pretty, be, become pretty good in the front group. I like McKelvin Akim. I think he's a big-time uh, talent at tackle. I think he's going to the NFL. I love DeWan Harris at linebacker. I think he's an all-SEC caliber player. So they've got some players. They don't have them in numbers. When I when I talk about a guy like like Kim, I think he's really good. I, I, Alabama's got nine of those guys that are as good. LSU's got six or seven. Auburn's got seven or eight of them. You know, that's the difference. Football is a game of numbers. It's quality, but quality numbers. Same with Harris. Really good, but you got a lot more of them at other places. So uh, where they're going to get the pressure? Are they going to have to gamble a lot? Can they going to be able to handle that? Uh, I think O'Grady and Boyd are, are playmakers at linebacker. They can be pretty good. The quarterback situation is going to be pivotal. Um, Chad's going to have to have great quarterback play uh, because they're going to have to score a bunch of points. Offensive line, I worry about that's going to be the whole key to their offense. So, listen, I think the first recruiting class shows of, of, of Chad shows a lot of promise. Uh, listen, it's a 2-10 and ten team that um, didn't win a conference game. It, can they win some games this year? Um, listen, they had five interceptions last year. Okay, that's the worst mark. I mean, you've got to be able to on defense. You got to do something, TJ. You got to stop people in the trenches, or you got to be aggressive and and flip the ball over the offense. They couldn't do that um, to save their life last year. The schedule coming off of a winless conference season. Look, I think their best chance, their league opener, is September seventh against the Ole Miss. They got Portland State. Got to win that game, of course. Then you got Ole Miss. Now they're pointing to that as they can go on the road and get Chad Morris's first SEC win. That would be big. Got to beat Colorado State. Got to beat San Jose State. Anything less than 3-1, and one, I think it's a disaster for Arkansas. They right. got to be 3-1, and one, maybe 4-0, and oh, 
and that's where they're and they've got to find a way in November to beat Western Kentucky. That's where they get their four or five wins. And then they got to figure out a way who they're going to beat in conference at Kentucky, um, at LSU, Missouri. No, it's not going to happen. Maybe at Kentucky, Mississippi State, Mississippi at home. State at yeah. home, Missouri. All those teams are better than Arkansas, but are the, it's doable to pull an upset. We'll see. It can happen. Look, it's just um, Arkansas came closer to beating Ole Miss last year than any SEC team. It was 33-31. It was a, it was a more of victory. Um, and remember, Jordan Tamu ran for the game-winning touchdown with 42 seconds left. You know, that's their best chance. No question about it. And again, the non-conference games are manageable. The, the toughest, you know, you know, you got Portland State, Colorado State, San Jose State, and Western Kentucky. Again, don't sleep on Western Kentucky. Don't sleep on Colorado State. But last year, you dropped that game against Colorado State. You should have won. Got to win those games. That's how you do it. Arkansas is in no different situation than Vanderbilt and where they are right now. Historically, resource-wise, facility-wise, they're better. But right now... They're searching for wins, TJ. They've got to get those four and find a way to get a fifth and maybe a sixth. Getting to a bowl game, I can't tell you how it's important for these teams, how important it is. You get those bowl practices. They're they're pivotal for the building of your program because for Arkansas, it's not about what they're going to do this year. It's not necessarily what they're going to do about next year. I think bowl eligibility is realistic next year and i think being more competitive and maybe being a little bit better than the at least mississippi state will take another two years but it's a slow climb for an arkansas program that you look up and it is very very difficult it's a it's all it's a hard place to recruit to because they're kind of they're a little bit like missouri and that they're out in left field they don't have the same recruiting base as most sec schools but they've been in the league a while. Missouri's starting to find that, you know, they, you know, recruiting in Texas is becoming a little bit more of an in thing with A&M. But now you're having to go in, and because of A&M, a lot of SEC schools are going into Texas. So now it's it's a even though Chad's got his background in recruiting in Texas, can he get the big guys? Look, you can go ahead and recruit well. You can recruit and get good players at the quarterback position. You can get receivers, but can you get those big war daddies in a line of scrimmage league? If you're lining up with the talent they have right now, they don't match up at all. They don't match up with Mississippi State. They match up a little bit with Ole Miss, but Ole Miss is better. Uh, Every team outside of Vanderbilt has more overall talent than than Arkansas, Arkansas, and and certainly in the West. uh, I think Arkansas has the worst roster in the west right now the sec that can change but it's only going to change in time and it's getting there but it's not there yet tough road to hoe and that's it seems to be a common theme if if folks go listen to the acc show um that we have out now and then listen to what we're talking about with these schools today it's a slow process it's it's not a quick process to dethrone some of these top tier schools or be able to recruit as well as they do. Cause it takes multiple years of that buy-in and multiple years of those recruiting classes and that slow turnaround. So it'll yeah, definitely yeah, be for, interesting for, for to For example, see. Not, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it, you think about it, put them, 
put Arkansas in the Big Ten West, and in two years, two recruiting classes, they're right there competing with Iowa and competing with Nebraska. They could do that. But you're doing it in the SEC West, and that's the challenge. Oh, man, Chad's recruiting well. I'm going to repeat again. A top 20 recruiting class nationally puts you fifth in the West. It's all relative. Yes. <laughs> it's well, but it's not as well as it should, or it's not as good as it should be. Uh, or, could, you know, when you look at the rest of the conference. Um, so, yeah, it's a tough it's a tough spot to win. And it'll take several years of recruiting a lot better than they're doing um, to kind of see the see the fruits of it. But they'll be interesting. I mean, they, you know, they'll have, you know, they'll have their opportunities to try and pull an upset here or there. I don't, I don't know where exactly it'll come, but you have to kind of wonder about, you know, teams focus, you know, when they get to line up, I mean, certainly would not predict this, but the rivalry weekend game of, of the 23rd against LSU, they get two weeks for that. So, you know, I'm certainly not going to go on record and predict it, but Maybe they find an upset in there somewhere and they can get back to a bowl, but it'll be interesting to see. And they'll certainly need to find an upset to be able to, to be able to get a one because they'll be underdogs in just about everything in conference. Um, so yeah, so that takes us to Kentucky. We'll, we'll wrap up with Kentucky today. What are your thoughts there? Kentucky coming off of a, uh, of a good season. What are your thoughts with them? Yeah, 10-win season for the first time since 1977, I believe, and a winning record in SEC play for the first time since 77 as well. Now, listen, the first time, and it's completely different. They, they haven't been to a New Year's Day bowl game since the 50s. But we know that New Year's Day bowl games are a lot different now. You go to a New Year's Day bowl game, you're going to play in one of the good Florida bowl games. It's not like playing in the, in the national playoffs. So it's a big difference, but big for Kentucky's program. Um, they're going to be more inexperienced this year. Um, I think it's a developmental program talking about a guy that's getting it done. And that's Mark Stoops. Um, perhaps as good a job as we saw in the sec last year, uh, coaching wise, we talked about that on our other podcast that, you know, coaches of the year, I mean, he did a great job. There wasn't a lot of expectation, but a developmental program is where you take kids and you develop them. And every three or four years, you have a really good team. And that's what they had last year. I thought they were really good defensively. They had a top um, 10 draft pick on the defensive side in Josh Allen. They had a really good running back led by Benny Snell and a really good running game that complemented the defense. Not much of a passing game. Is the defense going to be as good this year? I don't think so. Is the running game going to be as good? I don't think so. I think it'll be good, but as good? Probably not. So let's see how this plays out. Now, I do think that um, they are built correctly in this league at the line of scrimmage. This is where Mark has done a good job. Um They've done a really good job of recruiting in the state of Ohio. Um, I think this is the team that maybe looked the most different this year as a relative to last year. They lose a lot on defense, um, and the secondary is basically starting over. But the line of scrimmage is they're really solid on the offensive and defensive line. Losing Snell is a big blow. Um, but they've got, they've got more, um, dynamic guys and not grinders. Eddie Grand is going to probably go back to when he was coaching at Cincinnati and spread the ball around a little bit and get more efficient quarterback play from Terry Wilson. He holds, um, uh, he hopes and get more running plays out of him. 
And then I think that uh, that's what they're going to need to do because they won't be able to run power as much and be as successful. Uh, you know, the, the, listen, I think that that's going to be the key. Um, they, they're, they're just, you don't reload at Kentucky. You have to rebuild over time. You reload at the big-time programs, the Floridas and the Alabamas of the world in this in this conference in Georgia. You reload, but you gotta gotta rebuild at places like Kentucky. So we'll see what they can do. Um, I think the linebacker unit has some pretty good playmakers. Um, the the running back's going to be more by committee than with with Snell. I think the inexperience in the secondary and the lack of a playmaker up front in Josh Allen is going to hurt. Um, I like, um, you know, the safety group, I think, can be a little bit better than a corner. So we'll kind of see how the – and Terry Wilson, who's, you know, a guy that I think has to be more of a factor as a passer. He's more of a runner at this point. So I think when <clears throat> when you have – you know, high draft picks out of Kentucky and superstar type players, and you got to replace them. As I said, you know, it's not like at Alabama where you just roll them out. Not like at Clemson where you roll them back out and here you go. You got another couple of first rounders. Doesn't happen that way at a place like that. So I think it's to be more pass driven, relying a little bit more explosive plays. Um, it's going to take the defense a little bit longer to be as good. Um, you know, they've got three consecutive winning seasons at Kentucky under Mark Stoops. That's unbelievable. Um, it's in, in 500 or better in the SEC. That That's that's getting it done at Kentucky big time. Um, when I look at them this year, um, they open up against Toledo, which is a really good team. I think Kentucky should win it, but they are a really good MAC team. Uh, here's the thing. They're going to be playing against Brian Kobach, who uh, was a transfer there from Kentucky early. So that's going to be real interesting. But they play a max schedule early. Now, Toledo and Eastern Michigan got to win both of those games. Um, they, they they ended their incredible losing streak against Florida. Uh, I got a feeling it's going to start back in another streak. You know, <laughs> and, and so, I, you know, at Mississippi State, at South Carolina, are doable. Missouri at home's doable. Tennessee at home's doable. I think they should win at Vanderbilt. They should win at UT Martin. And they get to play a very weak Louisville team now. So I think they've got five wins. But where they're going to get their six, I think they can get it done. But they're going to have to beat either Mississippi State on the road, South Carolina on the road, Missouri or Tennessee at home. Because, you know, they're not going to beat Florida. They're not going to beat Georgia. But, but the schedule, outside of those two, you know, they don't play that difficult a schedule. So it's favorable. Uh, again, I think they're going to get exposed against Florida and like they did last year, get exposed against Georgia. But I see them potentially going to a bowl game and people are going to say, oh, well, there you go again. Look, last year was the anomaly. You know, expecting Kentucky to come back after winning 10 and come back and win nine is unrealistic. I don't see it. If everything were to go great and they would have beat Vanderbilt, UT Martin, Louisville, Toledo, and Eastern Michigan, that's your five. Um, they would have to beat Mississippi State, South Carolina, Missouri, and Tennessee. They'd have to beat all four of them to win nine. That's unrealistic. If it happens, phenomenal. They don't have the roster, I think, to do it to win all four of those. But let's be realistic. One of the things that annoys me, TJ, is when people say things like, well, can Mark Stoops 
take Kentucky to the next level. And I'm thinking, what the hell are you talking about? What's the he next has level? taken them to the <laughs> he has taken them to the next the next level for Kentucky football is to occasionally win ten games, maybe every fourth year, every nine or ten games every fourth year. He has and taken up, no, an no, upset, no, and upset yeah. Florida once every thirty-two yeah. years. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you're not going to win the East if you're Kentucky. Right, it's not going to happen. Okay, you you know, it's just to me. Hey, when is Will Muschamp going to? You know, win the SEC East at South Carolina. Uh, no, never. You know, it's just not going to happen unless Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee all really have a bad stretch all at the same time. So right. understand the realistic level of some of these programs. I think they're doing a good job. I thought that, I think that in terms of coaching, Nobody has done a more consistent job over the last stretches of the last few years as Mark Stoops at Kentucky. Think about it. Dan Mullen's only been there one year. Kirby's only been there a couple of years. Who's that? Mark has done a better job than anybody in the East over a long stretch coaching. So what more do you expect of him? Look, I would say this, that if I were Mark and I love him at Kentucky, he likes it there. But if they start getting a little bit foolish about can you win at the next level, Mark needs to be looking at, okay, uh, I don't know. I'm not, you know, saying it's going to, does Florida State come open in the next couple of years or somebody else? Mark needs to, if if you're going to be expected to compete for conference titles, you better go somewhere where you can compete for conference titles because that's not at Kentucky, with all due respect. I think Kentucky's getting it done. I think they're getting it done in a big way, but the expectations of winning nine or ten every year, are foolhardy in my view. Yeah. So what are you looking at? Six, seven wins there? I, I think that there are five wins on the schedule that I feel comfortable with. Of the four games at Mississippi State, out South Carolina, at Missouri and Tennessee at home, um, that's going to determine whether they can get six or seven. And if they win three out of the four, they win eight. So I think that's where they are. I, I think that they probably – Let's say they win two of those. That's seven wins. I, I think they're looking at six or seven wins this year. Eight's possibility, but unlikely in my mind. Yeah, that's what I think we're looking at for them. Um, great story last year. I mean, we we love Stoops at, at Florida State when he was there. Mm-hmm. It was it was cool to see them have a good year. As a Florida State fan, it was cool to see them upset Florida. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the streak starts back there. They don't beat Georgia. I don't know if the streak gets to 31 again, but the streak starts back. They don't beat Georgia. And then, like you said, there's three or four or five games that really determine their season. And I think it's probably a seven-win um, season, regular season. But then you go to a bowl game, and you could finish with eight. You know, you can get a, a, a bell bowl against a, a middle-tier ACC team or or – you know, play somebody that's somewhat fun and, and he can coach him up to a bowl win. But yeah, the expectation has to be at a place like Kentucky. Listen, you're there to win basketball titles. You're winning seven, eight games consistently. And every once in a while you slip into a, a nine win season and win your bowl game. And, and that's what you're looking at. So I think it'll be interesting to see Kentucky this year, but yeah, I don't have some lofty expectations that he can repeat that 10 win season again. So Anyway, well, that that's a pretty good look. We'll we'll look at three more teams or a couple more teams next week. Um, but this has been fun, man. This this I, I said this on the ACC too. I looked down and it's already been a little over an hour. So 
we'll try and keep these not not too long, but uh, somewhere around 45 minutes, an hour, hour and 15 minutes. But this has flown by, man. I had a good time breaking down this SEC a little bit today with you. Oh, it's been great, TJ. You're the best, and it's just great to be with you and so much fun to be with our fans, our listeners, and hope that uh, you send us some feedback and send us some uh, what you want to hear us talk about, and we're going to work our way around the league. It's going to be a ball all season long, breaking down these games, breaking down these teams, and listen, things will uh, surprise us. I know every year I go in because you never stay the same as a team. You, every day, you either get better or you get worse. So there are going to be injuries, there are going to be issues, and there are going to be some surprises. So who's going to be the Kentucky of last year? Who's going to be that team this year? Maybe it's Kentucky. I don't think it will be. We're going to get to that team in a couple of weeks here as we kind of break down all these teams. So it's going to be a ton of fun. Can't wait to be doing this every week with you, breaking down the SEC and obviously breaking down all the conferences here on the Big Three Roll-Up Network. Yeah, should be fun. Go check out the Big Three Roll-Up Network. Search on uh, iTunes, Spotify, just kind of wherever. If you search Big Three Roll-Up Network, that all of the podcasts should come up under that. But if you're having any trouble, you can check our Twitter pages. You can look for each individual podcast, Big 12, Pac-12, Big 10, ACC, SEC. You're obviously listening to that one now. Um, check out Landry Football for a little bit of a deeper dive into some of this that Chris has gone over with us today. And we'll see you at the same time here next week, Chris. Hey, look forward to it. Can't wait. All right. Thanks, buddy. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.